All right, let's pray before we get into this morning's message. Gracious Father, we're so excited about everything that you're doing. I mean, we already mentioned this morning, God, you neither sleep nor slumber, you don't rest. God, thank you that you never take a holiday, that you are always watching over us, that you are always at work. And uh, when we rest from our work, you never rest from yours. And so when we gather together and we're in this place, we, knowing that you, we know that you are in the midst of us and that you want to do something in and through us today. And Lord God, so we trust you for that. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, quieten our hearts, uh, that we're not concerned about things outside of uh, this room, but just only concerned about you, Lord God. And so speak to us this morning. Amen. What is the toughest decision uh, that you have ever made? I want you to think a bit about it. What, is, what are some of the hardest decisions you've ever made? I was thinking, you know, as we go through life, uh, we have to make uh, decisions. And while at the time those decisions seem uh, really difficult, we look back at some of the decisions that we've made and, and, and they seem to kind of get progressively harder. You know, and I think uh, in primary school, the decision, hey, what high school do I go to? There wasn't much of a choice. At least my parents asked my opinion uh, on that one. And uh, then you hit high school and grade 10 rolls around. I'm not quite sure how it works these days. Uh, but one of the hardest decisions of my life up until that point was what, what subjects do I choose uh, when I go into grade 10? Uh, some of you might remember that time. That was like gut-wrenchingly painful. Am I making the wrong decision? You kind of get through that and it doesn't seem so uh, severe after a couple years and uh, you finish high school, then there's another major decision. Do I go and study? Do I take a gap year? Do I go to this university or that university? Some of you don't have a choice. It's just who, who accepts you and you're just happy with that. You know, it's like, okay, well, now what do I study now that I'm in? And, you know, then you kind of finish studying and now you're trying to choose uh, a job and... You know, you get a job and man, that's just amazing because now there's a salary and then there's the pain of bills. But we, we've made a lot of tough decisions up until that point. Uh, but then decisions kind of get tougher, right? And, and you think of the risk involved in some of your decisions because now you're in love. And, and there's a big decision that's got to be made. And thankfully that decision, she said yes. Um, you know, and then, uh, then you've got to decide, sure, you know, we've got a little bit of money. Do we invest in property? Are we making the right thing? You've been working at a company a few years. You want to get a promotion. You move to a different company. And, you know, so many major decisions uh, in our lives. And some of you guys will be able to agree with this. The more people that you're responsible for, the harder the decisions become. You know, if I think of my move from uh, Cape Town to Joburg, it involved a number of people. And that decision was really difficult because you're uprooting not just yourself, but your wife and your children from, from all sorts of different things. And so decisions are tough. And I wonder how many of you guys are kind of wrestling through tough decisions. Maybe right now there's a bunch of tough decisions that you're needing to make. Maybe this year has just been a series of tough decisions uh, and one of the things we've been talking about in this series is how tough 2018 has been. Uh, I saw this news article, it was like the 10 biggest things that happened in 2018. And then I was reading through, it's like, February, Polony tried to kill us. You know, 
president resigns. And, and, and all of these like huge things that happened. And, and part of uh, the problem that we're feeling at the moment is kind of just how uneasy we all are, how restless we are, how so hard to kind of process and make decisions because kind of at the roots of everything is, am I making the right decision? You know, if I, if I think through everything and 2018, rough year, we're glad we were just a few days out from it being over, uh, but the, the real rough thing about 2018 being over is what's looming on the horizon in 2019. You know, with all the changes to so many state-owned entities and some of the financial indicators and general elections happening next year, people are nervous. People are nervous about their money, nervous about their property. As I said, you know, people are leaving the country in their droves. And a lot of people are kind of scratching their heads going, I need to make some decisions. Do I stay in my job? Do I move? Do I sell my property? Do I buy more property? What, what decisions do I make? Because it's not only going to affect me, it's going to affect my family. It's going to affect my children. Is this the right decision? Is this the wrong decision? How do I even kind of process some of these decisions? And we're in a tough place. And that's adding to kind of the stress and the pressure and the restlessness of what we're feeling is, is how do I make decisions in this current climate? And is it the right one? Is it the wrong one? And it's leaving us without much peace. And this series and uh, this Christmas season, all that we're trusting for is that we find peace and we're kind of figuring out uh, what is going to enable me to get to a place where my heart is at peace. And of course, it's Christmas. And so we have been kind of analyzing some of our favorite Christmas characters in the Christmas story because at the same time as the first Christmas, they were not at peace. They were needing to make some tough decisions. The climate was not great. And when God speaks and when God starts to reveal himself in uh, the start of the New Testament, in the Christmas story, it's all about bringing peace and declaring peace. And so that's what we are trusting for. And so this morning we're gonna look at I think one of the most underrated and neglected characters uh, in the New Testament, the Bible, the Christmas story, and that's Joseph. And so grab your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter one. You know that uh, just how overshadowed and underrated Joseph is, is if you've ever had to play him in a Christmas nativity play. He doesn't say anything. He's just there, kind of stands at the background you know, sometimes they give him a staff and, you know, if your mom dressed you was one of those like checkered tea towels that you put over your head and that's how you were Joseph and, and Joseph just has to watch like the angels, the shepherds, the wise men and Mary and, you know, everybody comes to, and, and Joseph is just dead quiet and uh, almost non-existent because quite soon after the, the birth of Jesus is done, kind of fades into background and, and isn't mentioned. But I think there's a lot to learn from him, especially when it comes to peace. And so I want us uh, to kind of just dig into some, some of his life. Uh, he was a, a blue-collar worker, carpenter, worked with his hands. And uh, there's some interesting theories. That I don't know if you, um, what traditional background you're from, but some people uh, kind of put Joseph as like 90 years old when Jesus was born, and uh, I think that's incorrect. They, they kind of want to preserve a myth that uh, Mary was a virgin her whole life and never sinned. Uh, that's wrong. Joseph was a young guy, uh, a worker, worked with his hands, 
And the Lord did so much through him that I want us uh, to learn from this morning. So Matthew chapter one, reading from verse 18, we're gonna skip a bit, go into uh, chapter two as well. It is going to be up on the screen, but it is great if you follow uh, in your Bibles. And then we're just gonna kind of unpack a little bit and see what God wants to say to us around peace. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she, found, uh, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. When he had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Uh, sorry. So that's uh, jump to chapter two and verse uh, three. Uh, this is now the wise men have come and uh, uh, just because we want to just focus in on Joseph. So when they had gone, talking about the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. When they stayed there until the death of Herod, and so it was fulfilled that the Lord had said through the prophets, out of Egypt, I will call my son. When they realized that Herod had been, or when Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with what uh, with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then this was said through the prophet Jeremiah was filled, fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping um, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and he said, get up, take your child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so he got up, he took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. And when he heard that uh, Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. That is kind of the summation of Joseph's role in the story and the life of Jesus. Uh, he doesn't utter a word. Uh, there is just obedience. And uh, if you kind of just think through some of those decisions that he had to make, some of the things he was confronted with, one of the first things he was confronted with was finding out his fiance was pregnant and it wasn't him. Now, if any of you have had to deal with something like that, you know that that is a very hard thing to deal with. 
I mean, the fact that Mary even says, no, this is the Lord who has done it. Either way, there's a baby in that tummy. It's not mine. You see some of his character. And I love this because he obeys the law. And the law is she should be publicly stoned for unfaithfulness. But he goes and he goes, you know what? I'm still going to do the right thing. I'm going to do this quietly uh, to protect Mary. The angel of the Lord speaks to him. I heard this the other day, and it's quite interesting, because often people really focus in on Mary around the Christmas time, going, you know, the reason Mary was chosen because of her faith, and what an incredible woman of God. Yes, true. But if you have a look at everything that Joseph had to deal with, and the decisions that he had to make, uh, there's a a little bit of indication there that maybe uh, the reason that Mary was chosen was because of the character and the faith of the man who would stand beside her through all of this. Because the Lord speaks, he says, no, no, Joseph, I know what you've intended to do in your heart. Don't do that. Take this woman home to be your wife. Raise the boy, give him a name, and, 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 and accept him as yours. That's a tough decision right there. The Lord speaks, okay, it's not every day that an angel appears to you in a dream, but he still has to obey. And he obeys. He takes home his pregnant fiance. Uh, they then have to go home and give birth. We know that he is in his own hometown at the time of her birth. He can't find anyone who's going to take him in. It's his hometown. We've mentioned this before. He should have had family available who would have taken him in. But because of the fact that he is staying with his pregnant fiance, no family wants uh, to have anything to deal or to do with him. So he's got to go find his own place to stay. Another tough to decision that he uh, sticks by his wife and sticks by his family. He obeys the Lord and he gets on with it and he finds a place for her to stay. Uh, It's not the ideal. It wasn't how the plan was supposed to go, but he finds a place for them. She gives birth, puts the baby in a manger. Middle of the night, an angel of the Lord appears to him again and he says, pick up your family and run to Egypt immediately because your life is in danger. What does Joseph do? He doesn't doubt, he doesn't question, he doesn't kind of run through it. He picks up his family in the middle of the night and they leave uh, to Egypt. That's a tough decision. I mean, some of you uh, have known the decision of going, okay, I'm making the decision to move my family to another town or to another country. Try doing that in the middle of the night uh, on the appearance of an angel, right? That's not an easy decision to make, right? It's a tough decision. He picks up his baby, he picks up his wife and off they go to Egypt. He gets news in Egypt that every boy in the area under the age of two has just been murdered. And he has to now come back. How tough is that decision? I wonder what it would have been like facing everyone who lost a boy because he fled to Egypt. That's a tough decision. That's that's really hard right there. He had to carry that. They were settled nicely in Egypt. Once again, an angel appears to him. And again, they get up and they move back to their country. And again, an angel appears. And again, he hears the word of the Lord. And again, he just obeys and settles his family where the Lord tells him to. You know, even in the midst of all of that, he lost Jesus for a few days. You know, there's so many things about uh, Joseph and, and tough decisions, tough things that happen, not the way you kind of plan your family, right? We love family planning. In our minds, we have a, a picture of how it's gonna go, kind of what we want it to look like. His didn't fit the picture at all, I'm sure, 
of what he planned. And yet, there is so much obedience and I think so much peace because one of the ways that we learn to make decisions is because we have peace around the decisions that we make. And, and peace is what we're trusting for at Christmas. Peace is what we're trusting for in our lives at this moment. And through this series, we've been uh, looking at things that enable peace. Right, the first one that we looked at was sovereignty, that God is on his throne, ruling over all his creation. And if we have sovereignty, we have peace. If we don't trust the sovereignty of the Lord, we don't have peace. And then we spoke about contentment, that Mary was able to treasure up all of these things in her heart, and she didn't miss what the Lord was doing, even though nothing met her expectations around the birth of her baby. And here we see another kind of block that is going to enable peace. And that's faith. Because if we don't have faith, we're not going to have peace. And the more faith we have, I reckon the more peace we're going to have. Joseph did have incredible experiences because uh, angels appeared in his bedroom. And I think that was because he was a male. And uh, we need a lot of convincing uh, to make some decisions. And I think the Lord needed to speak very clearly and very directly to him, which is why he gave him such clear destructions, instructions. Uh, angel in the bedroom, take her home. Call her your wife. Give him the name Jesus. He still uh, has the choice to not obey. He obeys. Angel appears. Take your family, go to Egypt. He has the choice. He hears the word of the Lord and he still obeys. He has faith in what God is doing and so he's able to make really tough decisions almost immediately because what he's doing is he's going, okay, Jesus, I trust you. Oh God, I trust you. Jesus is with him in his arms. He says, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. And he's able to make these really, really tough decisions. And I wonder if some of you guys are wrestling with going, yo, what's bigger, God or my government? You know, because we, we're struggling to make decisions. And of course, we wanna make decisions for our children. We wanna make the best uh, financial decisions for our future. And we're kind of wrestling through some of these things but we're trying to make decisions in our own strength and, and, and we're looking at things from a worldly point of view and we've kind of forgotten the faith elements to our lives. We're going, is our corrupt government more powerful than the will of God for mankind? You know, we kind of forget to factor that into our decision-making process. We're worried about our health. And we're kind of trying to make some decisions around our health. And, our, and we're going, you know, is God more powerful than what your health is at the moment? And as we're trying to make decisions and kind of think through into the future, are we asking questions in faith or in our own strength? Is faith a part of our lives in this chaos? And yes, there is chaos. And I know it's hard when you're reading the news and there's four, you know, um, inquiries set up into state capture and, you know, things are really not looking great on a global 
kind of scale, but when we look at the newspapers and we watch the news clips, uh, does that drop our gaze? And, and are we losing and forgetting about this core components of our lives as believers, and that's faith. Do we trust God? Because if we don't have faith, we're definitely not gonna have peace. We're always going to be doubting our decisions because we're making those decisions in our own thinking and in our own strength, and we forget that God loves my family more than what I could ever love my family, and that God loves this country more than what I could ever love this country, and that God knows what He is doing. And if I'm making decisions in my own strength and I'm not living a life of faith, I'm not gonna have peace. And this is one of the things that are going to enable us to have peace is if I grow in my faith and if I start really exercising my faith and trust in who God is. If you get to uh, Hebrews 11 verses one and two. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the insurance, uh, the assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. I love this, right? This is kind of the, the definition of faith in the New Testament. And it says what the ancients were commended for and it goes on and there's a whole chapter of guys being, uh, their kind of faith credentials and being listed of what they trusted God for when they didn't see the end. They were credited with having great faith and we're called to live a life of faith. And I think of one of my, my favorite kind of pictures of faith in the, the whole Bible is found in Daniel chapter three. There are three friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and uh, they will not worship the king. And so because they will not worship, he's kind of stoked uh, this massive furnace of fire. And he says, if you don't worship me, I'm throwing you in there. We pick up the story in uh, Daniel 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I love this because this isn't calm from like the resignation that I'm going to die now. They, they, they haven't given up. They are at peace because they have faith. They're at peace with even their uh, impending death because they believe and trust in God. And I love that. And the story goes on that they are thrown into the fire and then they look into the furnace and all of a sudden there's a fourth person there that says, here looks like one who looks like the son of the gods. And there is Jesus uh, in the fire with them and he does save them. But their faith going, even if God doesn't, we're okay because we trust him and we will not worship you. And, and this is what faith is. It's not trusting that my life is just going to be better. You know, God, I believe in you to make my life better. And No, it's trusting in the character and the nature and the word of God above all else. Faith is going, my health is really bad at the moment and, and I'm concerned about my health. But God, you are good and I know you love me. And through this, you are obviously doing something in me. You're not healing me and that's okay. 
Because if I'm not healed, you're still good. If I'm not healed, your plans for my life are still true. And if this illness kills me, uh, eternity and glory is is what I, I head to next. But I have faith in who you are. I'm gonna pray, God heal me. I'm gonna ask people to heal me. I'm gonna trust you. But, but my faith is that your character is, is good. Your word is true. And that's what I stand on. And that's what I, I rest my life on. Finances are tough. But God, you're good. And I trust you. Things might not be adding up from a balance sheet point of view, but your word says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread. My faith is in you, not in my bank accounts. And, I, and we say this often, I think more people have faith in the SMS that comes through at the last few days of the month um, and, and there's joy and rejoicing uh, in that uh, notification that our salary has been paid than there is that the Lord provides everything that we need. And so we trust in our finances instead of trusting and putting our faith in the Lord. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not fighting. They're not trying to like break free. Uh, they trust the Lord that his hand is in their situation. And so their faith is in what God is doing right then and there. I love that. Joseph had faith. I mean, how else do you make the decisions that he did? Tough decisions and to make them the way that he did. There's real faith to his life in the decisions that he made. The Lord spoke, he obeyed, he believed, he acted immediately on what the Lord revealed to him. I think he's at peace with those decisions because he was able to trust the Lord. And also if I think about uh, the decisions that he had to make, uh, he, he didn't see the end of the story. When he had to make the decisions around Jesus, he didn't, he didn't know the end. He didn't have the gospels where he could just kind of flick through a couple of pages. Oh, Jesus is gonna walk on water. Oh, Jesus is gonna feed 5,000 people with one boy's lunch. Oh, Jesus, uh, he didn't have that. He didn't have the end picture for him to bank and go, okay, I can believe this. He, he didn't have that. Yet he still had faith to trust in the nature and the character of God. Right in the beginning, he says he obeyed the law. He feared God. He knew he who was. And that's where he put his trust. He put his faith in God and that affected the decisions that he made. We get to make our decisions and have our faith with the full picture. We celebrate the birth of Jesus in two days time. But we also know that he lived and died and rose again and ascended to uh, the right hand of God and is coming back again. That's why we're able to say that faith is the assurance of what we hope for. And believers, when we say the word hope, it's not how somebody else says, I hope I win the lotto or I hope this, our assurance is that Jesus is victorious over sin and death and that he has ascended to the Father and is coming back. That's where our hope is. That's where our faith is. It's not in kind of some force in the universe that I wanna kind of tap into. It's that my Savior rose from the dead with his own power and it's coming back again. That's faith for a believer is that something happened and so everything else is true. Because he rose from the dead, everything he said is true and I get to believe that. 
And so when I say I have faith and trust in who God is, it's not kind of that airy-fairy, like new age stuff. And no offense if that is who you are here this morning. But my faith is rooted firmly in that Jesus rose from the dead and approves everything he said. And so I live by faith because I trust the nature and the character of God. I trust the words of God. I'm gonna bank on that for my life. Because again, he doesn't promise that our life is gonna be perfect as Christians. That if we believe in him, we are gonna have pain in this world because we're still gonna get sick. People still die. We are going to experience pain. And, and having faith is not the absence of pain. Having faith is just peace in this life that what is happening is God's will and that I can be secure in that knowing that his character is good, his nature is good, his word is true. He's doing something in and through me. And if I think about it that way, uh, I'm gonna have more than peace. I'm going to enjoy this life knowing that God's hand is fully in it. And I'm not gonna doubt and I'm not going to worry about certain things and, and fret over decisions because I'm going to have faith, right? And we're told that it's without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. We can't please Him unless we're living our lives by faith. I think so many of us are in a dangerous place because we don't have faith, uh, because we don't need faith, because we've boxed our lives so nicely that, that everything works perfectly and, and we're not trusting the Lord because our grocery cupboard is full, our deep freeze is full. Um, and again, nothing wrong with monthly shopping. I do monthly shopping. Uh, nothing wrong with having savings plans and, and uh, investments and things like that. In fact, that's wise. But when we do that, the danger that we run is that that's where we've put our faith. And that's where we've put our trust because we say, hey, when I retire at 65, I've got a great financial payout because I've worked hard my whole life, and that is great. But you don't know what's happening tomorrow. And the Lord does, which is why we put our faith and our trust in Him, even though we're making financial provision and, and planning our lives accordingly. But our trust and faith is in Him and Him alone because only He knows uh, the outcomes and the future. It's impossible to please the Lord without faith. And without faith, we are not gonna have peace. Just as much as if we're not content, we're not gonna have peace without sovereignty, we are not going to have peace. And without faith, we're not going to have peace. No faith, no peace. And so this morning, some questions. What are you trusting or needing to trust God for? If the areas in your life that are, are causing you the most restlessness, have you moved to a space where you've surrendered that to the Lord and gone, God, I'm gonna trust you with this. God, I'm actually going to put my faith for my family in your hands, not mine. And so I surrender my family to you. Jesus, I'm gonna work as hard as I can as a dad or mom or grand, grandpa. I'm gonna work as hard as I can for my family, but I'm putting my faith for them in your hands. I'm trusting you for them. Maybe it's your business. And again, apply every leadership principle that you can to your business, every godly principle to your business, but go, Jesus, I'm surrendering my business to you. My faith for uh, my family's livelihood is in your hands, not mine. Work hard, really work hard at it, but put your faith and trust in him. God, my health, 
You know, I'm going to live as healthy a lifestyle as I can, knowing what triggers my health, knowing what I need to stay away from, being disciplined with my eating and exercise and honoring you with my health, Jesus, but I surrender it completely to you. And I put my health in your hands. Jesus, I'm having faith that you are gonna take care of me. See what I'm talking about? By having faith and exercising faith in the Lord. I don't know what it is this morning that you need to surrender what you need to repent of and say, God, I I haven't had faith. I've not trusted you for this. I've been doing this uh, flat out in my own speed and I've not given this over to you. And that's, God, why I don't have peace because I'm, I'm doing this and trying to do this myself. And so I surrender, I repent. Jesus, I take it out of my hands and I put it into yours. Let's do that now as we close this morning, let's, let's spend some time praying. And this is kind of personal for you. Um, we, we love uh, just kind of this, this posture when we pray uh, prayers here at Riverside like this, is, is close your hands um, tight like this. And what you, you, you're closing tight in your hand is the, the thing that you have not uh, handed to the Lord. It's the thing that you, you need faith for. It's the thing that's causing you restlessness. It's the thing that's giving you angst and, and stopping you from having peace. Like I said, it could be your work. It could be your finances. It could be your marriage. Uh, it could be uh, your relationship status. It could be uh, your health. It, it might just be your fear of the country. Uh, it, it could be uh, whatever it is for you, but put that in your mind and, and hold that in your hand. And, and, and pray along with me in your heart. Jesus, I just want to repent of not trusting you for this. You are the God who spoke everything into being. You are my king and sovereign ruler of everything. Jesus, I'm sorry for not trusting you. And I want to surrender to you. And when you're ready to surrender it to God and to pray that prayer of faith and surrender, open up your hands as a symbol of saying, Jesus, by faith, I'm letting this go. Jesus, I'm letting my marriage go. I'm gonna work so hard at my marriage, but Jesus, I'm letting it go. Jesus, you saved my marriage. Jesus, you saved my work. Jesus, you saved my children. Jesus, you save because God, you're good. You're a good father and you're a good loving God. And I know that you hold the whole world in your hands and you're holding my world in your hands. So I let go and I trust you. Increase my faith. So bring me to peace, Jesus. In your holy name, amen.